Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 270. I had a conversation with Tarns Hood. She is a performance poet, a slam poet. She is the 2019 and 2020 Wellington Poetry Slam champion. Um, she is going to try and be the 2021 Poetry Slam champion, I'm sure. And uh, she lives just in the road for me which I didn't know until we recorded this podcast um, we had this in the pipeline for a month or two uh, we had to time it to celebrate a, a special milestone for her um, she's just recently completed 60 months of sobriety or five years which is a major a milestone and she talked about that about working a program and about recovery uh, a big thing in her life and we we got into that uh, and we talked about Uh, the poetry and you'll hear lots of the poems um, maybe more than uh, other episodes of the podcast when I've interviewed uh, poets and talked to them uh, because uh, Tarns knows all of her poems in her head Um, they just come out so she wasn't reading from a page or from a book Um, she has been published her poems have appeared in places but she is primarily a performance poet her poems are are made for the stage uh, more so perhaps than they're made for the page and um, I first saw her perform I reckon a couple of years ago and uh, I knew of her I knew of her work and um, then I saw her and I thought she was magnificent and wanted to talk to her and so we've gotten to know each other a a little bit Um, it's mentioned near the end here that she works at the library and I frequent the library and so you know we'll have a chat when we see each other but this was easily um, by a long shot, by a long way, the uh, the longest conversation that we've had, and um, we got pretty deep pretty quickly on this one, and got into all sorts of stuff. And I'm really um, thrilled with this, and I was pleased that she was interested in doing it. And um, it's really a great honour and a privilege to to be trusted to help people tell their story or to ask them questions and have them uh, be this honest and and go this deep and talk about stuff like this um so yeah i really enjoyed this and i hope you do too and i love uh tanz's work and so maybe you will too so um yeah i hope you enjoy this and maybe you'll check more of her work out this is me talking with wellington-based performance poet tanz hood it's like talking's your thing oh a little bit <laughs> And your, like your voice is your tool. Your voice is your tool. You've come prepared with, with everything. Yep. Um, I usually start these things by sort of talking about how I know someone and how well we know each other and how, um, how you know, what the context. And <clears throat> I don't, we don't know each other that well, but we've, in the last year or so, we've bumped into each other quite a bit. Um, but I feel like a year or so ago, I saw you at one of the poetry readings and vice versa. Yeah. And that's about it, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'd heard of you. I'd heard of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and this sort of thing happens in, in, I guess, poetry and literary circles and stuff. Yeah. But And then I saw you perform. And I haven't actually asked you about this beforehand, but um, would you be prepared to reel off a couple of poems during this conversation? Or do you need... Yeah, yeah. No, I feel like you. I feel like you carry them with you. I do. And, I'm quite prolific in yeah, my brain. So, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. They're all there. I, th- I thought that would be cool because, um, I mean, apart from it being an advert for what you do... Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a particular style and also your your content is your life in yeah a, in a lot of ways right yeah I mean I'm, I'm pretty pretty raw and honest with um my journey and emotions and yeah. you know when I choose a brief and when I write something it's it's got to mean something to me I can't just yeah. crap on about bananas or mushroom yeah. foraging you know yeah, yeah I yeah. wish I could I wish I could be nonsensical but um yeah pretty much uh, a lot of 
raconteuring of um, of true life events. Well, I want to talk to you about a few things, and I, I did, you know, we, we sort of have talked about doing this chat for a wee while, because there's a milestone in your life that we're going to talk about too, mm. but, but um, I, I'm curious to sort of, I guess, know what your journey is with poetry and, and words, uh, sure. you know, language and, and reading and everything around poetry. Oh yeah, okay, sticky. Um, I guess if we scale it back to um, I finished high school in Taranaki in 1999 and I knew at that time I just wanted to be famous. That was That's what I wanted to <laughs> small, be. Small goal. Yeah, get out of Manaya, don't get pregnant, be on TV, radio, theatre, Broadway, stage, screen, anything. And maybe the first two things there were probably harder to do than the rest of that goal. To get out non-pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, Hawara is the pregnancy capital of yeah. New Zealand, so yeah. um, that was... I, I wasn't even joking there. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> a, a lot of people that would have that goal, that might be the trickiest bit. Oh, absolutely. I had friends forfeit uni um, for, for the sake of, you know, mm. growing a family, mm. and that was just the wholesome rural way, mm. you know. Um, for me, I just, I didn't see a white picket fence. I didn't want to get married. I didn't want children. I just wanted to go to the creative capital of New Zealand, you know, and um, uh, so yeah, 2000 I came here, went to drama school, did a postgraduate applied diploma in performance art or something like that, mm. um, three years there, sort of flitted around a bit of TV stuff, I was on the tribe and, you know, extraing around the strip and all sorts of mm. stuff, um, and then I realised that I, I think I wanted to be a little bit more behind the scenes. I'd, I'd been writing terrible poetry since I was about 14. No one starts doing anything else. It's oh, always terrible poetry it's, to, This to was begin like with, right? gangland, LA, <laughs> guns, bullets, all sorts of stuff, you know. So this, I, was the, this was inspired by the rap music you were listening to? Yeah, yeah. a little bit, yeah. I was very much, uh, um, I was into Cypress Hill, yeah. Public Enemy, all yeah. of that. I went, yeah. I went through many phases, but I think... Lyrically, I, I was really sort of enchanted by rap and um, how you could tell a story yeah. w with with the rhythm of voice. It's an amazing component of poetry, isn't it, hip-hop, or, 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 or version of poetry? Yeah. Because it, it is a poetic form. 100%. But and some I'm... people don't... I always think people are missing out if they... Especially if people love poetry, if they discard hip-hop altogether just because of column inches or the jarring nature of a first encounter yeah musically they are doing themselves some disservice around what what they could find in that form that yeah poetry yeah absolutely i mean it'd be pretty one-sided if mm. i just read wordsworth and yeah you know and i formulated my ideas with that sort of style mm. and structure so i mean i don't know how it played a part in me creating the brand and the rhythm and everything mm. i'm known as but mm. i think I've always liked to talk, so after drama school I thought, well, we'll go into radio. So I, um, yeah, I went in at 2XS FM in Palmerston North, and I was a creative writer there and an on-air announcer for The Breeze. I was known as Tania Two Tangles, it was on a breakfast show. <laughs> um, that was, it was a time. And then sort of moved to Wellington and became a writer for MediWorks here, and then, um, you know, went into hospo, worked in theatres, um, and it just came to the point where sort of around maybe 2015 I'd, I'd discovered the poetry emotion scene in Wellington. Um, I'd gone to a, a couple of gigs at Heaven's Pizza on Cuba Street, and I'd noticed a few sort of open mics at Meow, so I thought, oh, you know, I'll, I'll give that a hoon. 
Um, but unfortunately, sort of at the same time, I was just starting to um, really get into the thick of uh, a bit of alcoholism. So what mm. I was trying to write and produce and say was really sort of muddy with where I was mentally and, and my my physical health as well. Mm. So I, I plugged about for one year of scrambling on open mics, dropping lines, forgetting things, and I just um, I thought maybe to give my words a bit more direction I, I needed to pull back on a couple of substances. So um, yeah, I guess from about 2016 I started entering um, slam heats and competitions and I was no good in the first year. Mm. Uh, sort of got third every now and then. No, that's pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't too it's bad. Not, that's not no good. It wasn't any good, but it wasn't as good as Ellie Jacks yeah, or yeah. the people that I was or seeing up there. what you've gone on to do, of well, course. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, you yeah. know, it, it took a while to sort of carve out that mm. um, that path for me. It's a good start, though, I reckon. Not bad, not bad. I'm, I don't, I'd, I'd hate to see some of those earlier performances now. But, of course, but everyone yeah. feels like that about yeah. anything they've done in, in terms of creative works not many not many people you know write their hit single straight away <laughs> yeah for sure yeah um and then you know uh, i think it was about 2017 where i was i was going great guns i started to write with a bit more purpose and i started to look at poetry as a way of getting something across in a unique way and i knew that uh, there were a few sort of subjects in poetry that were taboo and I hated trigger warning poetry. I hate mm. um, anything that requires an audience to have their back up a little bit first. Yeah, to be braced. Yeah. So I thought, well, why can't we incorporate real talk into this and experience? And so I guess just throughout my trials mm. and errors, then you know I started to formulate a bit more cohesive chat around things like mental health and addiction and you know, a few sort of shameful, embarrassing things, and I thought there's, there's got to be a way to to be able to, you know, um, discuss these types of things, but also leave someone feeling like they've learnt something about you. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I guess one of my um, trial and errors was how vulnerable do I get? How 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 much truth how versus how much poetic license, yeah, yeah. you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I guess with the background of drama and radio and, you know, being able to string a couple of words together, I, I could cohesively write something that I thought was tidy in, yeah. in a three-minute package. And, um, yeah, it turns out that I talk quite fast, just naturally. So um, when I wrote, I guess I wrote with my own voice in mind, which meant that all my couplets were all yeah. quick. Yeah. So it was good. I don't know how it happens. It's some kind of voodoo. I yeah, don't yeah. plan it, but... Have you... I mean, I'm going to be putting you on the spot when I do this, but have you got a good example that you can sort of spin out now of... Yeah. You know, maybe where you're at in that stage? Like, not not, not an early embarrassing poem, but like a uh, getting towards what you were talking about, something that deals with the subject matter and, yeah, that, yeah. you know, that sort of runs on the board. Cool. Um, I had this poem that I wrote... Um, just before I was a year sober from alcohol mm. and I've been able to fortunately change it. There's a line in there that you I can, can sub out update. every year yeah, I get right. every year I get sober. So the line originally was nearly a year. Um, and the kind of thing I like about this poem is it challenged me because I wanted to go forwards and backwards. Yeah. 
Um, so it's called Not a Sip, Not a Drop. Not a sip, not a drop, not a dribble, not a dram, not a damn slick of liquor has licked these lips in over five years. Here, here. Not a gulp, not a sniff, not a drip, not a whiff, not a hint of piss has slipped into the skin. Chin, chin. Not a swig, not a shot, not a spot, not a taste, not a trace has graced this space. Not shit face. Now, chase this with still sometimes wanting a... Sip, drop, dribble, dram, gulp, sniff, drip, whiff, swig, shot, spot, taste. Sip, drop, dribble, dram, gulp, sniff, drip, whiff, swig, shot, spot, taste. Sip, drop, dribble, dram, gulp, sniff, drip, whiff, swig, shot, spot, taste. Back it up, back it up, back it up. Not a taste, not a shot, not a spot, not a swig, not a whiff, not a drip, not a sniff, not a gulp, not a dram, not a dribble, not a drop, not a... Sip, drop, dribble, dram, gulp, sniff, drip, whiff, swig, shot, spot, taste, shot, spot, swig, whiff, drip, sniff, gulp, dram, dribble, drop, sip, now a bit. There we go. Yeah, and that's like a memory game trick. Oh, I know. It really numbs my <laughs> lips. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's I... Like a, that's like a street juggler as a poem. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And I, I travelled that one to two years, three mm. years, four years, and yeah. the line here, here, afterwards, always engaged the audience with yeah. like a really good supportive yeah. hurrah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. while they're having their beers and wines. But yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that was sort of a way of explaining something but putting it in a sense of, you know, um, ingestibility. So this idea you kind of arrived at, at I mean, you're not, <coughs> you're not alone in this, but this idea you arrived at of, you know, basically putting your vulnerability out there mm. and, you know, um, basically telling people to accept you for who you are and what truth you're going to bring. Um, I mean, it's quite bold. Yeah. What 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 sort of you know what 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 agents were helping you with that like? Yeah, I guess um, I uh, I work a twelve step program and I've done that to um, to keep alcohol out of my life and mm. I found that putting some visibility on putting your hand up and saying uh, you have an d- addiction or you've got a substance problem um, makes it okay for other people to come forward and I'm here for that you know so. From sort of the first month of my sobriety up until currently, you know, mm. I, I just clocked over five years sober mm. on Sunday. Mm. Um, so every month I'll put a post up saying, here's my face, you know, embarrassing selfie. Um, but it, uh, it encourages and inspires change and it also creates um, windows of chat. And every single time I would put a post up on Facebook or any social platform about my journey, I would get message um and i could then you know help people or encourage people or just um just have a corridor about um you know just some real stuff about what the sort of dangers and dramas and dilemmas that come along with these things and i figured i was getting such a good response with just that just those statements that i thought let's make some poetic reach Mm. and um i found that after doing a few shows if i'd if i'd you know, curate my set well enough where I'd do an irreverent poem, an identity poem, and then a sort of heavy poem about this, and then, you know, a couple of other fluff pieces. I'd get, you know, um, at least one or two people come up to me after the show and say, you know, that was really brave, and my husband um, mm. deals with this, or like, you know, and, mm. that, and that just lifts that, um, that shroud from this sort of thing. And so more and more that encouraged me to to keep up with that message and to um yeah just just throw some light on something that's pretty dark yeah yeah and i guess like in a purely um sort of poetry sense and an ego sense because um you know there's ego and everything oh so much ego. um <laughs> the the when you do that and get some 
benefit from it in terms of people, first of all, people applaud the poem. Mm. Or, as you say, as you were just saying, come up and share a story afterwards and they really connect. I mean, that that has just enabled you to share more, right? Like, exactly. It's just like I'm doing the right thing. I'm yeah. doing the right thing for me and for whoever, for these people, and I've got to keep going. Exactly. I think there's definitely catharsis in it for me, mm. but there's, there's ways to sort of, um, to, you know sort of shape the message to fit the demograph. You know, I um, I don't often do a whole lot of booze pieces if I'm um, doing a performance for school kids. Yeah. But I will do something that they can still relate to those themes, um, whether it's something happening at home or whether they don't feel so isolated, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of subject matter in that whole sort of abyss of, um, of piss talk, really. Mm. But... Um, yeah, I guess it's it's about sort of yeah, saying, saying words that mean something and then hopefully there's some takeaway from that. Mm. Poetry is such a broad broad church, such a huge um never bigger I think. The the uh the options, the styles and the personalities behind it, the people and you know we've both gone to the same open mics and and performances and obviously gone to several different ones where you really see the the gamut of humanity mm-hmm. and also the levels of frankly ability or confidence rather yeah. confidence because some people are nervous first timers but man they've got game it's exactly. there it's there and some people might never have game but they've given it a go and it's it's that's fascinating isn't it but has that made you um look for other things to, to, to read and appreciate outside and around, you know, not so much influencing your style, but are you a more in tune with a range of poetry now than you were from being more exposed to it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm a bit of a snob. I don't like much poetry. I really yeah. don't. And I've always had to sort of re-educate people and say, you know, I'm a poet and they're like, oh, so is that like autumnal bloody weather yeah, on yeah. the page? And I'm like, no. I, I just, I guess I say I'm a bit straight. In well, you're sense. arguably not a page poet, are you? I mean, no. I, I know you, there are I'm some... I'm printed, for sure. You're but. printed, you're published, and, you know, there's a writing component to any kind of poetry, but you're a stage poet yeah. rather than a page poet. Yeah, and, um, if you know, you'll 99, no, 100% of the time will see me perform without a phone or yeah. a pad. Yeah. Like, I, for me, it's about wanting to... Um, sort of deliver something in the most true, the most real way. And I, you know, I applaud poets who read from their phone and their and their books and, mm. you know. Um, but by the time I am going to say a poem to you, it's gone through eight, nine edits. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. and, um, and it, it, it comes the way it is. I mean, there's a, when I first started in 2015, there's a very much a spoken word delivery way of saying things. Yes. And I could hear it and yes. I hated it. Same. And I was like, all I want to do <laughs> is shake that up. Yeah. I don't want that. I hate it. It would just turn me right off, you know? Um, but now I've started to see you've got like Word the Frontline in, in Auckland where you've got school kids and there's four or five of them and it's multi-voice. And that again is, is, is a relatively new style. Um, you know, you've gone from the days of Mark Kelly Smith yeah. in 1982 and his beatnik Chicago style to being able to put multiple voices, multiple cultures, different languages, different sort of 
styles and structures yeah. and um yeah i i do appreciate the the and, range and things like the show ponies thing where it's yeah. taking poetry to a whole other Out level of performance yeah, 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 yeah. i love rock, it rock star poetry yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it i mean i'm yeah it's funny because i've got there's certain things that i don't really get into with poetry in terms of how people deliver it mm. but um, then I know the way I deliver poetry is not, and, and the way I write poetry is not going to be for any, everyone either. And you just, I think you just find your level, and hopefully you find your level, and you're fine with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's definitely. It. I think um, I find, like I said before, it's it's sort of the for me. I can as long as I as long as I sort of know what the basic demo of that crowd is, mm. then I can I can give them something they want. I've done a couple of shows where. Um, I've done some very heavy adult content and some life living stuff and it's hit 18, 19 year old ears and they look frightened mm-hmm. and they don't get it. And so there's a lot of learning when it comes to, you know, um, create the content for the crowd. Well, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm only comparing you in one way in terms of how I first understood it. But when I first, well, every time I've watched Sam Hunt read and, and perform and when I first saw him, he was the ultimate example to me of someone who, I guess, you understood immediately that they lived their poetry. Yeah. That these stories, that they were him. That this was who he was. Mm. And, you know, now he will actually take some pages out and read occasionally too. But that never used to happen because he would deliver his greatest hit set that he had lived with. But now because he's adding new things. But when I saw you first perform um, as a featured poet and do a, you know, do a bunch of poems do a set I instantly thought of that comparison because of the material was like this is a person who's lived this work like Mm. this work this is who you are this is these words this is your life yeah and it's important I got that it was important to you to yeah to deliver them in that way without without prompt without prop yeah but I guess you're giving of yourself it, yeah, and, and that's you've got to be authentic there. But also, like, anyone who's got a talent, mm. you know, they practice their craft. And Your quotes are great for podcasts, Yeah, oh, thank you, you're good. I did can do tell the you, I can tell, yes. can tell you've worked in radio, good one. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, I'll give you dead ear in, in a minute. Um, oh, shit, what was I saying? Um, but, yeah, it's... You said, sorry, you said like anyone that's got a talent. Yeah. And then we got, I mean, de- and like- then we got dead air. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you promised. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I love I love my words and breathe my words and stuff. Yeah. But it's like, I love practicing and I practice my poetry every day. And I think that obviously helps me memorize things. Yeah, yeah. But it's also like, you can impress yourself with what you know, with your knowledge, with your wordplay. And not to sound like too much of an ass, but it's like... You know, anyone who who has a skill and practices it gets better. Yeah, yeah. So why yeah. would you not keep that up? Yeah, totally. I mean, you you go and you you know the kid that gets well the Kane Williamson or whoever the you know who's who's amazing at their sport was once the kid just smacking the ball against the wall mm. and having it come back to them or, yeah. or bowling in the nets constantly or whatever it is and poetry is like that whether it's just hitting the keys of the typewriter or the keypad to pump stuff out. Yeah. Or as you say, like reciting it and refining it. Yeah. It's all the same thing. Hundred percent. It's you know I've I've found that I've realised that my writing style across all of the things I do is actually taken from when I used to take a hockey ball and stick down to the goal when I was a kid. Yeah, perfect. And just spend an hour and a half because I was really good at hockey at one point in my life, and it was because of that. Yeah. I just 
did that over and over every day after school for years on end. Yeah. And that's why I was good at it. That's the I way. I don't do that anymore, and I'm not good at it, and that's fine. That that's been and gone. Mm. And so yeah, the other things that you get good at, or accept, you know, good for you, like mm. acceptable. You, you know, you reach the level you want to. When I've when I've played the drums well, it's been because I've put lots of practice in. Exactly. When I've played them badly, it's because I haven't bothered. Yeah. It's pretty. It's actually really simple. <laughs> but it's fun, funny that, but it's, <laughs> it's really simple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So you um. These these poems, they well give us another poem actually. Give us another example before oh, yeah. we go somewhere else. Um, do you want like a genre? What throw me something, you know? Give me give me something. Give well, give the people listening something that's pretty autobiographical and then we can oh, not, yeah. not not that any of them aren't. But, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then we can fill in some backstory and some biography from the poem. Cool. Yeah. Um so this is a poem um took me how old am I? Thirty nine. Oh, so a few years to write. I was very aware I needed to do a poem to sort of acknowledge um, my whakapapa. I'm part Māori. I don't even know how to say I'm part Māori. Normally, if you've got Māori in you, you're Māori. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, oppression. <laughs> um, so it took me a while to sort of look at the systemic racism about that and why a lot of people sort of don't identify um, as an indigenous person in this country. So uh, this one's called Taonga Taken. At intermediate, I was told to break up with someone because, quote, our boys only go out with our girls. I was blonde. I was brown skinned, but olive like Taranaki sun kissed, like tanned from lying at the pools all day for 80 cents or for free if you jump the fence. Darker from lying on piss-steamed concrete, bare feet crossed our seal to get a dollar mixture, a mixture, a mixture, a blend. Now back then, I could speak and understand it all fluently. Ko tainui te waka, ko maneapoto te iwi, ko tāns tokawingua. Really? She is? Really? Do we see someone's whole identity on the outside? I was not brown enough. At kōhanga, a kuia taught me tikanga taught me o marapiti, taught me tahi, rua, toru, far, far, far removed from those te puya roots. So my grandma was a serank, which meant I sank into the category of colonial whitewash. You cannot see whakapapa. You cannot see past the privilege painted over those pores. You cannot see past your own nose, as it of course shows and highlights your genealogy. Oh, but now that I've told you, you can sort of somewhat kind of see it in me. Obviously. At high school, I got first in Māori studies in third form, that's year nine, and I was told by a teacher that if I enrolled in the Māori, not general electorate, I'd be given a cash grant and they could buy me a van. That was an actual quote and I don't still to this day even drive. I've had a hard time embracing a culture that doesn't feel like it's mine. Like, I'm not allowed, like I do not qualify somehow. At work, an old employer once told me not to say kia on the phone because, um, you know, it might offend someone. I said that just offended me, so we dropped it. In today's society, I've been led to believe, mm, no, have experienced firsthand that if you appear Caucasian, whether born or assumed, being white holds a hefty worldly advantage. 
At primary school I once got a cold sore and I was told by a friend's mum that I must have received that from kissing too many Marys. We know way too many racists and this is the stuff I wish I was disconnected from. You know, I've had friends anglicise their names just to get job interviews. Rawari becomes Matthew, you know how we do. Had neighbours lay blame on the family down the road if anything ever goes missing. Had professionals say that they should all just be put down south. Had colleagues refuse to pronounce anything with respect. It's not Mount Egmont, Dave. Be better. How am I meant to embrace my biological ancestry when the indigenous people of this country are portrayed in a shade that is degraded and made to feel way less than what I'm sort of seen and perceived as currently? Yeah. Yeah. It's a heavy one, that one. That's good. I think that one sort of really resonates with a lot of people who don't know how to identify if they're, mm. you know, if they're if they've not made that connection with their lineage. Mm. And um, mm. even even to this day, I you know I find that piece. Um, it, it scored ninety eight point ninety eight point nine out of a hundred uh, in last year's um, New Zealand um, poetry slam competition. So it was the highest scoring piece of the whole whole shebang. Why did it not get a hundred? Probably racist. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, get on your Doreen. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Karen. Yeah, um, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I feel like an alternative title for that, which would give it a different spin, is it's not Mount Egmont. Be better, Dave. Like, yeah, yeah. That you know, that's that's like a little theme within that. Poem. Yeah, bit of a dig, and it was funny too because I wasn't sure who I wanted for that word. I didn't yeah. want a Karen, and I wanted yeah. something um, monosyllabic. Yeah, so, yeah. so Dave won. Yeah, no, yeah. it's perfect. Um, I noticed when we started talking about this, and because I asked you about, you know, poetry coming into your life, you jumped right to getting out of Taranaki. Mm. Yeah, there's no culture there, mate. <laughs> you, you, you've referenced it there, so, so. You know what was happening for you growing up there. What was? Yeah, I mean, what, what were you into as a kid? Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, I was. I was kind of a little bit of a shy kid. I was an only child, so um, I guess I made my own fun. I was very creative in the sense of imaginary play, and I think um, I learnt to like the sound of my own voice. Uh, I couldn't really sing. So I figured if I could create characters or have dialogue, then, you know, um, I found that to be a way to engage with people. I've got a bit of a natural sense of humour. That makes me sound stupid. But, like, I, I, I thought I wanted to make people laugh. And then I guess I refined that. And I didn't just want people to laugh. I wanted a reaction. I wanted an emotion. I wanted a response. So I... I couldn't really get that from the little town I grew up in, you know. It was factory workers and farmers and um, people who I don't think were sort of um, attracted to the same things as me. You know, mm. I learned maybe you're when also, I was about... You're also going back to a, to a Taranaki of 30 and 40 years ago where it had no um, tourism, no 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 cultural angle to play out for tourism which it does now yeah right yeah. so it becomes about that too like the actual time yeah and I think there was um, a bit of you know during my adolescence there was a bit of a, a discovery in my sexuality that I wasn't just your classic uh, heterosexual you know and so that was a bit dangerous to 
to explore um, either being bisexual or pansexual or, or just liking people for who they are as opposed to their gender and I found that that wasn't really that wasn't conversational in, in Taranaki so an outlet and a way for me to sort of express those ideas I channeled through poetry as well and then mm. I realised that that was that's really common you've got you know kids over in the Wairarapa I did a um, uh, I was part of Featherston Booktown and we did a um, a slam performance at Kurunui College and I chose specifically to do an LGBTQIA plus themed piece because I know what it's like to sort of feel that suffocated in those in those regions mm. and um, yeah so I snuck it all in there but then you know I guess I wanted to um, I wanted to perform it for them there too but I haven't been brave enough yet I haven't mm. my mum's only heard a few a few of my poems too you know um, it's it's a, I'm nervous I'm nervous about what the perception is I'm I don't really like being the ostracized person um, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's tough though, isn't it? <coughs> Reading, you know, the stuff to the people who might not be closest in your life, but they were at some point. Mm. And maybe they still are, but just the, anyone with that kind of connection, they can only, they can, they're only listening for themselves 100%. in it. So the version of themselves that's in it might not be them. Yeah, yeah. But and they might not even be in it. Yeah. So they're one way or another they're they're hearing the version of themselves and going, Well that's really me when it's not. Yeah. Or they're not hearing anything of themselves so they're saying, Where am I in this? Yeah, and that's a disconnect, you know? Yeah. 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 And it's it's interesting that like I don't know how anyone ever gets past that actually. I think it's I think it's publish and be damned, perform mm-hmm. and be damned, yeah. or don't. You know, I think yeah. that those are the options. Be brave. You be brave. Be brave, or or you know, if you can't be brave, or just not? keep it in your diary. Yeah, you if know? you can't be brave, why not be smart? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like sometimes that's the better option too. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think that's a tension that'll never resolve. Mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get some poetry happening in Tatanaki for sure soon. Surely. I'm sure there's some. Yeah. There must be. There's got to be. Um, but it'll be a big thing for you to go back and do it. Yeah, and I think that is going to be one of my goals. I mean, like, you you, you don't forget your roots, you know. No. And I I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty thankful that I grew up on Surf Highway Forty Five. I could see the beach out one window and the mountain out the other. It was wholesome, mm. you know, and it was it was formulative in the same sense of having an appreciation for people, culture, and country. Mm. Um, but yeah, it. It needs a bit more education, I guess, and I think there needs to be a lot more, um, a lot more options there. But you wanted to escape. Hundred percent. I knew um, in order for me to propel into who I wanted myself to be, I needed to go away from that space to, to grow. And then, yeah, I, you know, I remember I came out when I was twenty three, and I rang my mum and I said, oh, you know. Oh, I've got something to tell you. I'd been dating this girl for three months. It was serious. <laughs> and I thought, well, I have to tell my mum. And I was, I was, you know, getting ready for excommunication. Mm. I thought, this is it. My my mum's going to get a witch last, hunt. That's everything. Last yeah. Time I talked to her. Yeah. And I this phone call. I had to make a phone call because I lived in Wellington at the time. And I said to my mum, oh, I've got something to tell tell you. And she said, oh shit, you're pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, 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 kind that's of, not Kind of the opposite, actually. Yeah, and then she went, oh, no, you're gay. And I said, well, mm, not really, but I do have a girlfriend, you know. I didn't know how to express yeah, that. Yeah. And she was like, oh, okay, oh, okay, shit, 
shit. I'm like, you're right. She goes, yeah, no, I'm just picturing it. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, okay. Don't tell your grandparents. They hate this sort of thing. I'm like, I'm just telling you now, mum, you know. Um, but yeah, those chats get easier over mm. the years and, and they become more familiar with those ideas and, and more things sort of come to the forefront and it makes it Have easier. you written about that? For that specific like one, the, I, I yeah, mean, sort of phone call and I, I wrote one called um, "Can't Come Out to Grandma" subtitle "Running from Scissors," um, because my grandma died in 2019. She was 85, and she was the only person that I didn't admit right yeah, to. Yeah. And I, that's quite a common story, isn't it? The the idea of um, one person and often of that generation. oldest generation, mm. and it's like you know. It's not a lie, it's just a protection for them 100%. and it's just easier for them to live their life and not have to wrestle with that and yeah. then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think in the end, it turns out one of my ex-girlfriends had actually come out on our behalf um, <laughs> and she knew, you know, yeah, and yeah. just before she died, I did get to introduce her to my partner at the time and and she acknowledged her and that was it was kind of beautiful before lucidity sunk back in, you know. And then the ignorance came again. But I, I, I know she knew. It was just, you know, that generation of not being able to yeah. handle it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of, it's not really about whether they know or not. Actually, actually it's about having the conversation, isn't it? Mm, it's the, yeah. the, the idea of the awkwardness on either side. And I wonder if that is a bit of a classic uh, repressed Kiwi trait too. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah. But if you think about poetry in the same sense, you can have a one-sided conversation. You know, yes. You can have a confession. You can have. Um, Which, to your point about, um, you know, uh, well, all, all manner of uh, minority, and also you you were talking about LGBTQ, mm. you know, etc. Um, being present in poetry circles, yeah. Having having that as an option, get that visibility, as, have, and and also having that as the outlet. You know, like yes, it's it's great for visibility, but it's you know, um, but it's it's starts off as being like their outlet to express exactly. Yeah, Stop, yeah, yeah. get that bottled up stuff yeah, out. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. That's, so do, that's good for everything. So the <laughs> the can't come out to grandma poem. Do you want to deliver that? Oh God, if I can remember it. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, oh, hang on. How's it start? This is the only thing when I don't read from a page yeah yeah i have to remember what the first lines are oh no oh yeah i have to change the dates on it and also she <laughs> died after it so the tense <laughs> she's still alive in the poem okay yeah, uh, yeah. she turned 85 in june did june but she spelled hers j-e-u-n-e and she was the only one not privy of knowing about that rainbow side of me so I've been out for about 15, 16 years, and the words, oh, hey, Grandma, I'm, uh, didn't appear. Scared, queers and non-queers, hell yeah. So I told my oldest mate first, right, and she was like, that's cool, just don't come on to me. Oh, see, that's funny. It's mostly gross. Funny, though, love you, girl, but no. So from age 23, I go about this, I'm into women revelations organically, and mostly... You know, mostly people were pleased and accepting. They're like, yeah, Tans, we get it, no sweat. But she, my oldest living relative, was relatively in the dark. Ah. My mum reckons she knew. 
and um, we think an ex told her we were a thing years ago at this party back in Manaya. Oh, have I uh, not mentioned I'm originally from the Naki? That is a tacky segue to say literally only gay in the village back in the day. Anyway, so I used to call my grandma every week, right? And every phone call, every phone call used to go, So, you got a man in your life yet? Any Mr. Tall, Dark and Handsome? And sometimes it was ironic, because like Sam, Anthony, Tony or Joe, but no, Grandma, no. My ex-girlfriend reckons she knew. I introduced the two of them not long ago. Just a couple of gal pals on a van trip through Whakatane. Whakatane. Oh, often they're not as naive as we perceive, but she... Oh, you know what, probably had a rough idea about her granddaughter's sexuality. I don't know. It didn't come from me. There you go. Yeah, nice. Yeah. My friend Jasmine was the first person I told her. She literally did say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. It's the great thing about poetic license, isn't it, is that uh, what a lot of people think is poetic license is actually just the absolute truth. Yeah, exactly. You know? I've not written a diss poem yet, though. I've not been that person. And I've not written a hype poem either. Those are the two I want to try and do. Hype poem is like total brag flex, yeah. all of this about me. And I'm like, ugh. I, I need it because I need one of those in my repertoire. Yeah, like a like an entrance. 100%. Like entrance music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you could switch them. You could write the diss poem in the style of a hype poem. Ooh. And you could write the hype poem as a diss poem. You yeah, dis, you're you onto could, something. You could diss yourself. Yeah, this. I could see you doing that. I probably could. I think I'm confident <laughs> enough to run myself down for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Nice. I, don't e- I don't even need a producer's credit. That's yours. <laughs> oh, <can> just <laughs> thank you. Oh, good. <laughs> That's Sweet. yours. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, Maybe that'll get 100, 100 points. Yeah, so. there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah just d- pity then, points. Then I, but... might, then I might need a producer's credit. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Um, Fair. When did you start drinking? Oh, jeez. You know, I had a keg party for my 16th birthday. My granddad bought me a 30-litre DB draft keg. Um, you know, I grew up with parties in the shed and yeah, flagons yeah. and stuff, so I was allowed to sort of yeah. drink when I was 13 or so. Um, but was it like, did you feel it as like kind of pretty, like obviously you're a bit ahead of some other people, you know, being able to do it, mm. but you were pretty responsible with it like up until it was, a point yeah. i mean i look i made the taranaki daily news once when i wagged school and went to someone's house and drank all their homebrew and had to be like wheelbarrowed to a hospital and okay. things you know it, there, were, there, were prob- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were problematic moments yeah. but um it wasn't sort it of it wasn't until, always problematic no moments. not at yeah, all yeah. i i mean i can't really oh Radio was a real beast for having a lot of free alcohol. I was yeah. a creative writer, and a lot of our sort of um, meetings were at Logan Brown uh, that were really catered, and, you yeah. know, I, I got a taste for some really good liquor. And, yeah. and um, you're not paying. Yeah, and so you make the most of that, and it, you hit it hard. And then in 2009, with the recession, um, I got made redundant for my job. They culled... million worth of jobs in radio, so they scooped out all of the middle, and they kept all the seniors and all the juniors and all the intermediate roles just left, so, you you know, I lost my career, I'd won um, advertising awards and I thought I was safe as houses, but I I really wasn't, so 
I guess what I had to do was go back to pulling pints and um, being in that state of, you know, losing the job that I loved and working in bars and working in bars from 10 at night till 5 in the morning, you know, it creates some really bad habits. Mm. And um, so I just got myself into this unhealthy mindset and got hooked and, you know... Bad cycle. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, 2015 was, was, I guess, my rock bottom. You know, I woke up one day on the ground in my bedroom and I was like, oh, had I slept on the floor? I wasn't sure. Went to work and I just went to wind my desk up and I was in excruciating pain all down my side. I'm like, what, 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 what's going on? I have to go to the hospital or something, you know, and I took myself to the hospital and realized I'd broken my 12th rib. And, and so it was sort of there where I kicked on and my boss had given me two verbal, two, two verbal one written. I was on the end, very end. Mm. And I thought, oh, look, I'll just, I'll just go to AA. I'll get one of these books. And so I went and got the big book and went to work the next day and just slammed it on my boss's desk. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> and I sort of took the piss, so to speak, for a few months until, you know, going around and, and hearing people's struggles and stories and strengths and, and stuff. It, it wasn't making sense to drink and still attend these things. So, yeah, um, my last drink was the 31st of July, 2016, at 8.12 in the morning. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, the, yeah, because it's interesting, isn't it, when you think about giving something up, I think when you think about giving something up, there's that process of, I mean, everyone does it differently, but there is that little process of you believe you're going to take it seriously, but you're giving yourself a little out. Mm. And so you're kind, of, you're kind of like going on a little tourist trip to check it out. Mm. You know, I did that with smoking. for sure. I, I did that with smoking Yeah. years ago, and then I decided and I you know and I obviously failed like I gave up and then started again and then I decided the next time no no this is actually going to be yeah for good and so I think it's been I don't actually count but I think it's about 17 years so it's just done and I just don't do it and I don't even no vaping no vaping and no you know and then I just sort of remember sometimes quite fondly my life as a smoker Mm. but 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 often I don't even think about it as well. Like, but it, it's so I'm I'm lucky in that sense. But it, I'm also like, some work was done. Like, it wasn't like it wasn't just easy. Oh yeah. Because I had a major failed attempt at it. You know, I think I yeah. gave up for seven months. Yeah. And that fucking hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Starting again. <laughs> oh, I, I just tried felt six like, days. I can't do it. I just you know like in the past I'd had like a week of not smoking and then starting again. That didn't. That wasn't so bad. But mm. seven months, it's like. Why did I start again? Yeah. And then I think I smoked for, oh, maybe only about six or seven months. And then I went, right, this is it. Done. And with my not drinking at the moment, um, which has been about a year and a half, I, thanks, I, um, and I said to you, you know, like the way I'm describing it is I didn't have a problem, but I stopped before I did. Yeah. That's sort of how I'm, because I don't, awareness. but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to occupy the space of a person that's got an actual problem that they're addressing because, mm-hmm. Because I might have actually just carried on drinking and it might have been okay. Could have been. But I also felt like it might not have been. So I wanted to like create some separation. And so I may one day drink again, but the more I'm doing this, the more happy I am with not doing it. But that still took a few months. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about it. And I was, oh, yeah. And I was disappointed with myself when I had a, a summer where I basically drank every day. Yeah. For 30 or 40 days. Yeah. Sometimes not a lot, but 
a drink was, it was consistent. A drink was poured yeah. more consistent than it had ever been. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe the volume wasn't as much, but just the regularity. And I mm. kind of went, I've really got to pull back from this. Yeah. So I think everyone has those. Yeah, that kind of. But it's almost like you're giving yourself a little escape route. Like I'll take this seriously, but I also kind of won't. And yeah. Then it something kicks in, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you you start actually discovering your own personality. You know, like I thought for so long that who I was as a person was mm. only ever, um, it was only ever apparent because of alcohol. It was only um, accelerated or exacerbated or it was, you know, I could really flourish in it when it just really wasn't. And it just took me a while to understand, you know, how I operate. And I think the first, even the first year of giving something up, you're mm. like, what's my favorite color? What do I even like doing? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So it's just What, that, what now defines me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's kind of like I have to almost stay sober because there's a lot of my poems that I could no longer do. It would make me a hypocrite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that literally keeps me sober sometimes. Like I have well, days that's a good where, thing. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh, I like that poem. I, I couldn't, with conviction, deliver that anymore. You have a, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure you have more than one, but you have a poem, a rock bottom poem that kind of references that oh, rock yeah. bottom you were, rock bottom you were talking about. Yeah, um, I think that's Tiptoe to Tumble, which yeah. was the timeline one. And yeah, this one was fun. I, I like a process and I like being able to map things out. I'm almost like a, I, I don't know, sentence cartographer in the sense of I like I like true events to be interwoven in a piece. And um, yeah, I, do you want me to do it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, I fucking remember. How's this one start? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're reminding me of, um, you're, now you're reminding me again of Sam Hunt because he will have those poems where he goes, Oh, I can't remember the la- the first line, and he'll actually go da 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 da, and yeah. then just fire it and, and, and say, "I'm just going to start from the second line." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can relate. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, I can see how that happens now with memorization. Yeah. yeah, I usually like to open with something pretty pretty savage too. You know, so my yeah. first line is usually like a whole "Here I am" first five seconds. Yeah. and so it's called "From Tiptoe to Tumble." That's been a while. I remember the smell of spew on my pillowcase. I wake up a disgrace, caked in the waist of Courtney Place, my face a mess. I get up and dressed as best as I can. I was 33. The flashbacks of blackout, back out on the street, my feet carry me to a beach where I hollow out a haven in reeds. The need to feed this body booze chooses the loser who abuses her soul. A whole part of me had come undone. I was 31. Now I recall a fall from grace as I lost my place at a space at a desk with a swivelly chair. Then and there my dreams disappeared. As did my happiness, my partner, my income. I become numb with anxiety and fear, downing beer after beer and passing out into this nightmare. I was 28. The memories of melancholy madness. I go on journeys and kiss strangers and end up with randoms, abandon appointments, and end up on gurneys, learning how to control my liquor, consume quicker, got sick in the sink, drink, cruises, purple goanas, tattoos, and white KGBs, I was 17. I can go back to a time when I was responsible and could dine with fine wine, when I was fun and pleasant to be around. I found solace within sediment. This inflicting impediment had not yet grabbed me. I was 23. In retrospect... I reminisce about getting pissed. The gigs, the goon bags and gag reflexes, creating complexities by having sex with exes, being hectic hot messes and states of distress, I digress. Those moments of moderation became like 
folklore pour carafe into coffee cup i slip up and slip over on moonshine this timeline of tipple took me from tiptoe to tumble i fumble as i stumble through the rubble using new legs no longer do i mumble or slur what's being said at 39 i realize that i'm going all right i can remember yeah i can remember most things these days there you go Mm. Ironic, because I did forget a bit of that. Yeah, yeah, I was, was going to say, I noticed <laughs> right. that, because yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm here watching, yeah. and I, th- I thought uh, you were working hard to do that. That was a recovery. Which, which good, yeah, well, hey, nice pump. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, that was awesome, though. Like, it, it, it was great to watch you do that, and actually watch you doing that work, mm. you know, which people listening to this, some some will have noticed the little stumble, but, oh, yeah. but some won't have. I'm going to hate when I listen back to it. I'm going to be like, oh, no, because I, I very rarely do. It's just a reminder you need to practice. Thank you. That one, I mean, thanks for digging that one out yeah. four years later. Yeah, Jeez. yeah. No, it's impressive. Like, right now I'm sort of thinking, like, what, what else can I get you to do that's from the, you know, from the deep, dark, back memory cave? Like, Are you doing this to me, man? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Jeez. Um, yeah, I think I do... I... I have enjoyed my my poems getting better. Mm. You know, there's still some classics from back then where I'm like, oh, this is brilliant. You know, this yeah. is a real Susie one, or this is um, a poem about a woman from Boston. And I, the only reason I like that poem is because I like to say the word Boston. Yeah, in it. yeah. But yeah, they 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 get better. Yeah, and they yeah. make they make more sense. But sometimes they mature. You, sometimes you've got you know, it's like the band playing their songs you've got the ones that you know are going to hit the points too Mm. and it might not be your personal favorite Mm. but you know that it's going to get a good reaction see the ones i like the ones i don't like are the crowd favorites that's annoying i hate them and i hate doing the same do you think the rolling stones like playing satisfaction i don't reckon (sighs) they do you know like so yeah (laughs) i know and i get it gets likened to that all the time but i'm like because I'm so prolific, I like to produce new material for any new gig. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so I am going to be the person. I'll chuck one, one you know, classic in there. But yeah, I know I'm I'm exactly the same. Like even if I've got a, I mean, I'll always go to an open mic with new stuff. Yeah, always. Because you don't want to be and known as the guy who's doing the poem about the pillow again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or just you know, I just think like, well, why, I mean, I'm going to do it anyway. So I've, I just have this thing of the works there so I'll just look through the recent stuff mm. and pull from that but I you know I'm also not thinking oh I don't want to read one to someone who's heard it before because I'm not expecting anyone follows me or gives a shit so mm. it's not about that mm. but it's it, it is interesting like when you do a reading that's like you know you're doing an actual set and you know you've got some firm or like I've got Some a book bangers. or like I've got a book out now so when I do readings I kind of have to refer to the book oh you got to t- it's merch you know, it's merch. Put it up yeah there. that's yeah. right so I've got to do that but actually it's funny after the first few times I started reading more and more new stuff because it's like I've read these things heaps now yeah, yeah. but I'll always do something from yeah. the book yeah um but now I try to find different ones yeah you know that I haven't you know that aren't the aren't the sort of guarantees yeah I'm with but you. Some, sometimes you know and you just can't avoid like you know, this is a guarantee. You know, I've got a poem that mentions um, Kim Hill and Patty Gower, mm. and so I can read that anywhere because yeah, people because people know them. Exactly, and I, you know, there's a bit of an impersonation that happens, and it, about a, Kim, yeah, and there's a funny <laughs> story that happens in it and stuff. So it works. I know it works, but is it, it doesn't mean it's my favourite. Yeah, but I know it's. You know, I know I'm gonna. Do that. Yeah. So that kind of thing happens. Yeah. But it's nice to also, don't you find, 
you know, you're actually challenging yourself by performing the new material as much as you're challenging an audience, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, like you grow along with your works too. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's about, um, it's about being current and, um, and, and on your own emotions and, and reading your own vibe. But yes, you've got that thing that if you were drinking again, you'd not only be a hypocrite, you'd actually have to, and you not only struggle technically to remember things, but you literally would have to retire that material and, and a, a lot of it, and then it's good material. So yeah, you, yeah. that I can see how that becomes a helpful kind of, you know, a guiding force and, hey, don't let the work down. Never, yeah. mind, never mind letting yourself down. Don't I mean, the there down. is a temptation <laughs> of being the artist that goes through the blue period though, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know if I'll relapse, but I know that... I know that there's going to be some grittiness, you know, there will be some work in there. Mm. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I don't really want to test that right now. No, so you, I mean, you talked about finding your, you know, kind of finding, finding and, and redefining your personality in that first year of sobriety of going like, you know, who, who actually am I? Mm. And so how has that evolved along five years? Like how, when did that kind of start to make more sense and not be such a worry? Yeah, um, I guess um, there's a poem that I wrote called Double Brown Eyes, and it was about... Um, do you remember the first line? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it'll be all right if I ask you to yes, do that one. Yes, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell yeah. But I mean, I wrote it because it was really hard to... The thing with me is um, I'm a social person, I like parties, I like festivals, and yeah. I know with a lot of people when they give up sobriety, they give up that aspect. They are terrified of bars. They don't want to go to a gig where there's booze. Yeah, they don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. And it just, you've just got to, you, you got to pull your pants up on it a little bit and you've got to set some real firm boundaries yeah, yeah. with your mates. And I think, you know, I still to this day, if I'll go to someone's house who, who has known me for 10 years, 15 years, they will forget and ask me if I want to drink. Yeah. Um, and so in the first couple of months, I was like, oh, how do I deal with this, you know? And a lot of people in, in recovery just pocket themselves away and they just don't. But I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that. So I created sort of a discussion poem about, like, I guess this is this is what it's like for me and would you rather this or this? So do you want to hear that poem? Mm. Okay. Um, you asked me what I wanted to drink and I was like, oh, no thanks, I'm sweet. I saw you look at me like I was lost, like I had lost my mind. You searched my double brown eyes for the, are you sure, for the, what the hell, for the person you always saw say, excuse me, are you calling that your standard house poor? You looked for signs that I was kidding, having a laugh, cracking a joke, you asked if I was broke, had had a stroke, found Jesus, or if I was on some type of medication. Insatiable thirst had your tap tap tapping your debit card hard on the bar fast past the point of giving in You give it one last blast go one final round Well now how about a lager stout champagne or cider try a premium handful pilsner or IPA AA 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 glass of Merlot of Riesling of Save have a shot you know one that's all flames up your face and your fringe has gone hot get a lot of pints of porter order CC and dry whiskey and water why not though I mean, you used to be all Rabbit Ranch 2002 Central Otago Pinot. I know, perhaps a, a rum, a pims, a gin, a brandy, a shandy, a sherry, Patron. I know, we could uh, go for cocktails. Long Island iced teas, squeeze lemon in our mouths off the slamming dirty Cuervo, vodka Red Bull, bourbon and Coke Zero. Yeah, nah, no. Thanks. I saw you look at me like, I don't know, like, okay. Hey, I'm now one of those who shows up the next day. 
I used to be one of those who used to sink glasses of glasses of used to sink low, sink low, sink, think about this for a second. Remember me when I drank, how I drank, how I was during drinking, when wanting to drink, when wanting to drink but having no means to drink, still drinking, when getting drunk, really drunk, way drunker, getting him, her, you, them intoxicated, inebriated, wasted. Remember there was a me that you saw and a me that you didn't. That me that was hidden, sipping more than bubbles in the bath, day drinking, first thing alone on the floor. That me who woke up hazy and sore. That me who couldn't have just three or four. That me who always, always needed more. I pulled the plug, shut the door on her, so no, I'm sweet for a drink. Cheers. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I've been trying to, when people um, invite me, I mean, it's interesting that, because I try to, you know, turn up to things still. Like, I made sure that I didn't just, I mean, I gave up and then there was a lockdown, so that was oh, quite yeah. good. So I got through that period of there was no... Yeah, no I didn't, I didn't, there were no soirees. I didn't have to say no mm. to, to anything. Uh, and then I emerged the other side of it. Obviously, like everyone, just grateful to be out in the world again yeah. for a start. Yeah. And so it was very cool to go to some things when they started happening and not um, not drink and, and not worry about it. But I've, I've tried to, uh, you know, as I was saying, I don't want to sort of, I'm not trying to shoehorn in on anyone's traumatic journey giving up drinking because mine has been a decision mm. um, that I've only forced on myself. Um but I do try to speak to not drinking because I think it's important yeah. to go... Because, you know, your poem then was just making me think, like, you yeah, were such a culture of, like, you yeah. know, five o'clock is drinks he's yeah. And I think, like, I'm a few years older than you, but we're, we're of the same generation. And our generation, I feel like, is, is where this dies because people younger than us that, that we've seen reading poems particularly, I think... Mm. Um, Either some other drug is their thing and not alcohol, mm. or, or or they're very much straight edge. Like there's no mm. and it, and there's no shame yeah. around it at all. And it's it's uh, it's either celebrated or it's just not even a thing. Yeah, yeah. And I don't feel like I you know I know quite a few people around my age giving up for different reasons. Yeah. Um, but I know that they have to have that awkward sort of acknowledgement of I used to be a drinker yeah and uh, no I'm still a fun person and, yeah, yeah you know and, ages all, and, horribly. and all of this sort of shit <laughs> and so yeah I'll always make sure I say I you know yeah I'll come I'll come to the bar I don't actually drink yeah but I'll come and Sweet I, I want to say that to try exactly to try mm. and sort of go it's actually quite normal to invite a non-drinker to a bar yeah it's actually quite normal for a non-drinker to go yeah and and actually be that you know and I mean my wife's always said you're kind of lucky because you're an arrogant, obnoxious, rude, inappropriate cunt, even sober. So no one's actually noticing the difference. Like, yeah. I'm not actually doing that awful kind of, like, calling someone out because I'm drunk. Yeah. I'll, do, I'll do it no because... change. There's no massive change, yeah. change in that sense. So maybe I need to go to, you know, a different kind of therapy. I don't know. Oh. But or I'm just embracing that as who I am. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think that's... You know what I mean? I think it's quite an important mm. thing to... To, to be able to say that but also you know at the other end I've got a friend who gave up drinking for quite a while and then he started again and you know and I asked him why he started and he said I got sick and tired of having to tell people my sober journey oh, wow. so I just decided it was easy to have a beer and he's like I just have them every now and then like right. he has it in check yeah but 
and that's his personality yeah. where he's just like again it's that great sort of repressed Kiwi thing of like oh I don't want to really make a big celebration yeah. of myself as someone who finally conquered a thing that was yeah. making me unhappy so you know what just buy me a fucking drink and I'll yeah. sit and have it oh mate I can like relate to him like literally yeah. last Sunday like everyone's posting you're an inspiration huge achievement yeah. I was like fuck off I'm just a alcoholic who hasn't had a drink for five years you know I've done some work yeah. but it, like I, I was like don't I, I felt it's not like, over yeah because you said to me you know I, I contacted you I mean I was going to talk to you for this podcast anyway when I first saw you perform I was like I have to get you around here to talk and do some of your poems mm. and then um, when I saw your stuff around the steps and the journey mm. and I talked to you about Lowell, let, let, let's talk when you've reached that milestone because that's obviously something you want to celebrate and you said I'll do it but you know I need a few days afterwards because that's a vulnerable point for people some, yeah. pe- some people are known to reach Literally, the milestone. Philip Seymour Hoffman, five years, boom. boom. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. and and that, that was it. And I think, yeah, you just you just got to get through it. You know, it's like, yeah, and, and and thank you for giving me that sort of space around it too. Like it, it can all just be a bit overwhelming, but then all you all you need to do is just like neutralize again, just settle. Well, if you'd said to me, you know what, I don't actually, you know, want to do that. You know, I know we talked about it. I actually don't want to. That would have been fine. Yeah, oh yes, or but... or you could have come around here and just done some poems. Because you know, just, yeah, and we no could have just, poems. Could have just yeah. jammed that thing without even talking about the sobriety thing. So yeah. like, there's always options. It had to be because you wanted to do it. But you said, you know, I do believe in the advocacy side, which I know overall is sort of a part of most of the programs, right? It's yeah, like yeah. the live, live it and let carry the, the message. Carry the message. Let other people yeah. learn from your. Share, share experiences. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so what what have you sort of, in five years, what have you been either forced to or pleasantly found out about yourself that you think you probably hadn't acknowledged you know, previously? Jeez. Um, I think, like, I always thought maybe that I was... Um, a person that got depressed but I didn't ever want to have that depression as a as a label for me and you know upon reflection like I haven't really had a bad day in sobriety you know and I used to have mm. a lot of bad days I used to have a lot of hangovers I used to do a lot of vomiting I was so broke um so I think the the biggest sort of thing for me was like I just removed one thing which helped everything Mm. <laughs> and you know I thought that those parts of my personality were self-harm and um, a whole lot of like shitty behavior and embarrassing actions I thought that was who I was um, you know and I just sort of ex- excused myself for that but yeah it, you know you, you live abstinent from something for so long mm. and you're like that's that's really not a part of my life at all so, um, yeah, I'm a lot lighter than I thought I was as a person. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I have to attribute the fact that, that booze is a depressant, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of Kiwis, we, we use it to celebrate. So it, it, it's kind of backwards, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but you have to, like, real walk that. to. But to, a lot of celebration is just coping. you know like we don't you know we don't just use it for celebration we use it for coping but actually a lot of celebration is coping isn't it a lot of celebration is running yeah yeah a lot of celebration is hiding 
Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and, there's, and there's nothing wrong with actual celebration. We should celebrate many, probably more things than we do mm. in a lot of ways, and maybe in some different ways. Mm. But I, I've come to realise that a lot of celebration is actually masking things, hiding things, running from things. Mm. Um, you know, distraction. It's profound. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't usually happen. Yeah, yeah. But no, but it's true though, I think. Like, yeah. And I, you know, like to, for, from my experience of not drinking, uh, I'll never get sick of uh, waking up feeling sweet. Yeah, having seeing the morning, eh? Yeah, and just that's it. The mornings they didn't and I don't exist. Wa- you know, and I'm, I'm not pressuring anyone into uh, giving up if they don't want it. You know, if people, if people have a handle on drinking. Yes, know, well, yeah, awesome. and not, and that's what I learned too. Like, not everyone drinks the way I drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that is huge. I was going to say that must be a, yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh my god, people can have a, like a pinot with dinner and be sweet. Like they don't have to drink that whole bottle. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, but they, they know where the lid is and how to yeah. put it back on. What the And hell? they also might not revisit drinking for a week yeah, or two uh, look, weeks. You guys are yeah. superheroes who can do yeah. that, eh? That's, that's... Well, I was always a little bit jealous of social smokers uh, oh, because, yeah. you know, I never... I guess that's how I started. Like a lot of people start, but... Um, I, I very quickly jumped over to like, no man, I want this to be an Olympic sport. I'm fucking good at this. <laughs> and then it was like, I, I want to never do this again. Yeah. Um, so that's just going to be my, my outlook. And so I'll, I'll happily stand around with a smoker. I don't even mind getting a, you know, a whiff and I'll never complain about it. Mm. But um, I, I, I just know I can't go back there. That, yeah. You know. I don't have too much tolerance for drunks though now. No. You know, like I'll be that at That changes party. pretty quickly. Yeah. And if you come up and say the same thing to me twice, I'm like, I'm out, you know, <laughs> like yeah. this is shit. And I think that's reasonable. And not only that, I feel like a lot a lot more people, you know, maybe maybe a few more sober people in the world will redress that balance and a yeah. lot, lot more of that should have been happening because I, I know I've been that guy. Yeah. And I've and even when I was drinking, I know I've been the person that's recognised someone's boring the shit out of me with their drunk talk. Yeah. Even as I'm drinking with them, yeah, just waiting I'm for just you, but... not on that level that they're on. Um, and I don't want to say to them, mate, fuck up, go yeah, home, yeah. you know? Stop but it, maybe though. I should have. Yeah. It, that stuff's all very interesting. But I think what I learned as I was getting a bit older was that you trick yourself into thinking you're not having a hangover. Mm. And then... Or you think you've passed Or the, you think you've... Yeah, you yeah, think you're, you've got... The, you're in the age now where this, you just this get that slight me. headache. Yeah. yeah. And and I think, you know, being a, um, a parent, I would get up and deal with a, my child fairly well, and that convinced me, oh, yeah, the hang, that's another thing. The hangovers aren't there. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't... Or I don't drink as much. Whatever you tell yourself. But yeah, I or was, you've metabolised it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's all just... Um, tricks you just yeah. convincing 100%. yourself of nonsense yeah yeah because just bargaining um, with your own brain just exactly it mm. which is um, for your own comfort which is the seed of uh uh well not seed of but that's a a symptom of addiction isn't it is, yeah. is, is, is the the addiction telling you what it needs oh yeah so that you'll accept illogical it. bullshit yeah there so is. that you'll accept it and let it live yeah yeah and because it can sit dormant in you ah yeah yeah which that's... is which is really what what's happening with you as you say like you're a, a, an alcoholic who's not drinking yes yeah. that's, that's why people call themselves a recovering alcoholic yeah 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 exactly you're never fixed you're yeah. just aware and you're doing the doing the work and doing the thing yeah yeah cool and some people drink because of um some people you you mentioned self harming and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I the thing was, I I would get um, 
I would drink a lot and just become really emotional. So my um, my moods would be really high and really low. It's almost sort of bipolar within bourbon, right? Like it was. Um, yeah, I I would want or need attention. And I think if I didn't get it or I didn't get the desired response of whatever was going on for me, then I would take it to the extreme. And um, yeah, so, you know, I I spent a, a lot of time being miserable with myself mm. and, um, and oh, just tell you me could to just take it out on yourself. Tell me to you know? fuck off, by the way, if no, I'm asking no. you things that you don't no, want. But I, I just, mean, I was interested in the idea that like when you mentioned that, I thought what, like... Was that propensity in you before you were drinking, or was it drinking that brought that out? It's definitely drinking that brought it out. I've right. never attempted suicide sober. Yeah. You know? And I I had cat teams called on me. I'd been arrested. I'd, I was aggressive, you know? And, like, anyone who knew me from five, six years old in Manaya up into, you know, when I moved here when I was 18 to my mid-20s, like, it wasn't a part of who I was, but it got there. And I think... You, you get so hard on yourself at some point that the only thing you can do is punish yourself. And, yeah, it's really nice to be able to treat treat my, my own self with love and respect now. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and I'm very, you know, self-harm is a, really, is a really tough one because you can either see it or you can't. Mm. You know, scars are inside as well as outside. Mm. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I just... Alcohol was the thing that allowed me to entertain... The, the thoughts of yeah, oh, I would yeah. be better off not being here, you know, and um, that's just just cheating, just taking an easy way out, or just buying into something that wasn't wasn't really there. So what um, what what keeps you here now? Like what keeps you excited about oh. life? And hey, look, I work at a library, and for someone who's got OCD, it's the best place really yeah. because you put things in order, you find things for people. There's systems. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I very did... jealous of your job, and I see hey. you, and I see you there quite a bit. I'm a big li- I'm a big library fan. I am putting your reserves on the shelves quite often, yeah, actually, yeah, and yeah. I I do look at what you what you get out. Um, it's really good. I did five years in um, in event management and sales and sponsorship, and I caused myself a hernia. I was earning lots of money, but it was like, it was doing me in, you know. Mm. It was just, I had to get money out of Auckland during a lockdown for immunocompromised kids last year. I'm like, this is, this is not, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so I took a change, took some time off, wrote some poetry, smoked some cigarettes, drank some coffee, sat under an apple tree in Ardo Valley, and then, you know, I wanted to live a life where I can be recognised for the craft that I am, mm, mm. Uh, grow it, build it, and be in an environment that is that, that supports it. So I guess, you know, for me going forward, um, I like to... Um, I'm not an influencer because I'm not that cool, but I've got enough swagger to be like, hey, these cool decisions are, are um, a choice, mm. you should do it. So I, I keep on bettering myself so that other people can get better and you're part of a scene within i mean there are many scenes in poetry but you're part of a scene within poetry that is influential too like there are you know you're you're very modestly talked about doing okay in a slam and but not great but you've gone on to do 
really good things. Wait, well, yeah, well, I won 2019, 2020 Poetry Slam champion so, of Wellington. Yeah, no, yeah. No pressure this year. Oh, and how am I going to get the three people? They're not going <laughs> to give it to me, eh? I almost don't want to qualify. Well, I think oh. you've got time to work on that whole, like, hype disc reversal. Yeah, thing, yeah okay. That's going to that's gonna be your shit. Yeah, God. No, dude. but so, you know, you've achieved mm. within that. And slam poetry is arguably its own thing within yeah. poetry. There it's are, a vibe. It's, it's a, a thing, mood. That's it. There are people that go for that. Yeah. And there are people that um, also don't understand, don't want slam poetry yeah. in their life. They think that's not serious or real, and their poetry about autumnal hues is real. Hey, I did. I read poetry on RNZ mm. <laughs> last year, and, and people would messaging in saying that is not poetry you know uh, yeah and i'm like well it's not for you but it is for me yeah, yeah. it's funny isn't it the whole time you've been here reciting these poems i i've just been going why don't they give you a fucking show on rnz where you just do your part po- <laughs> you know why don't they give you a spot but i was also thinking uh and i was going to say they're that not ready the audience but i was think- i was going to say they're not ready <laughs> yeah like, i've had to read a poem out live on air on RNZ yeah. and you know my poem that I read was safe yeah but I still and I was really pleased to get the chance to do it yeah like the book it was an amazing experience and I got okay feedback from it but I was definitely going shit this won't be everyone's idea of what a poem is you know <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. So, so I felt rebellious. it so yeah so mm. I can only imagine yeah. but slam is its own thing and you know it's it's got a following yeah, I mean, slam is a purely, it's a format. It's three minutes, your own your own shit. It's about wowing and connecting, right? Like, no music, no props, no costumes. It's about delivering an impactful message or entertaining something and, and getting points on it. And, yeah, it's fickle because all slam is only crowd-judged, but that's how you get better. If you can please a bigger crowd, more crowd, a diverse crowd, then... That means your your words are more relatable. That mm. means that you you make sense to more people. So mm. I love the opportunity to be able to, you know, make a make a big statement and yeah, and and deliver it in this kind of cool way. It's like sport for words. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've asked you here to basically just rip off the plaster. Yeah. Is there is there anything that you want to bring up that I haven't asked you, or is there anything anywhere you want to go oh, that look, you wished we had? No, I think I. I mean, I don't feel too embarrassed about what I've said. Well, and, you um, yeah, I. I, I it's, it's an awesome opportunity to, to have a yarn with you. you yeah, know? yeah. Is there a a poem you want to send? You want to finish a final? Up with? Oh, again, shit. no pressure, but. Um, look, I'll give you my my newest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so new shit. New shit indeed. As they say. Yeah, scream it out. <laughs> so this one is, um, it's about sort of the serotonin you get from screens, right? Like um, sometimes I'll look at my YouTube videos or my website and I'll be so into the analytics and I'll be like, 1,900 people have watched this. Is that enough? <laughs> and then I'll check 15 minutes later, 1901. I'm like, oh, hey, you mm. know. So, and that's um, actually just you hitting refresh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> off different devices. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, this is called Digital Dopamine. And you guys can't see this, but it actually has actions. I don't know if I want to do the actions for you in here. Um, I'll leave that up to you. Yeah. It goes like this Digital Dopamine through screens, views seen, react. Like, love, care, haha, wow, sad, angry. Can we get our serotonin fixed with however many clicks this new post has had? Like, love, care, haha, wow, sad, angry, sad. 
I mean, bad selfie if it's been up in your profile for a while now and somehow still gain no recognition. Fishing for compliments and boosts of self-esteem, seen. Three bouncing ellipses, then they disappear. Share, like, love, care, haha, wow, sad, angry, wow. I mean, how have we become so desperate? So dependent on electronic acknowledgement following, oh, follow back, accept friend request, I don't even know who they are. Are we too plugged into our devices? To the machine, seen, post removed, are you sure you want to delete? Unsend, retweet. Like, love, care, haha, wow, sad, angry, like, 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 oh, accidental, like, unlike, like a little blue illuminated thumb is somehow meant to cement our pleasure centers into spaces of justified happiness. Has all of this digital chaos got us lost and we've forgotten how to truly connect, disconnect, reconnect, stretch your neck, flex your back, try not to have an anxiety attack, get a snack, drink some water, sort out reading all of those comments a little bit later, it can wait, take a break, press mute for a minute. Now is it really love when displayed by love heart eyes emojis? Why do we rely on the supply of like, love, care, haha, wow, sad, angry, seen, view, count, refresh, count, refresh, 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 add filter, add frame? How can you blame us for having insecurities when the impurity of polished pixels becomes a skin upon reality? We don't need no virtual vindication. Download, crop, rotate, discard, nah, I look funny, ha 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 stop. Save to desktop. Close laptop lid, be rid of the noises and faces and notifications for now, power off. There's a mic drop there, see? And I just... Uh...